Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Just about anybody can spot a problem. That does not take a whole lot of skill. The real skill comes in creating a solution focus. And that's what this podcast is all about, creating a solution focus and solution generation. I believe that there are limitless solutions to the dilemmas that we face, even the really tough one. The trick is in finding or creating them and then implementing them. This can be real hard, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. Getting started finding and creating solutions, it really starts with you identifying your own perceptual blocks. The blocks are obstacles. They're mental obstacles that keep us from clearly perceiving an issue. I think that these blocks also prevent us from finding information required to address an issue. Here's the deal. Everybody, we all have perceptual blocks and they limit our ability to to get to a wide range of solutions, to create options, to find opportunities. I want to run through several common blocks and then I'll move to how we create a solution focus. The first of the blocks is having difficulty isolating the issue. When we lump every facet of an issue together, it's very hard to make sense of it. When this happens, we feel saturated. We feel like we're drowning. We're drowning in multiple unrelated, sometimes multiple related issues. And that comes from not being able to pull things apart. I can tell you for me, when I get really frustrated with complex issues in my life, I do tend to lump any and every dissatisfier together. And then the next thing that happens is I catastrophize. And then the issue takes on monumental proportions. Once I make whatever it is a major issue in my head, it gets a lot more difficult to think about solutions. The next obstacle is myopia. That's tunnel vision. We all know how that is. It's the horse that runs with the blinders on the horse that just can't see anything other than what's in front of it. It has no memory of what's behind, and it it can't see the sides. The horse just keeps charging forward. Very similar to myopia is the inability or the unwillingness to consider alternative perspectives. Sometimes we get so stuck, so stuck in our notions of what should be and how it should be and just the way that we like for things to be, that we can't think of any other options. This is especially likely when we surround ourselves with people who think like us, act like us, and have the exact same values or very similar values to us. This kind of an insular life makes it real tough to recognize the fact that there are other perspectives and that those other perspectives have merit. The inability or the unwillingness to consider alternative perspectives leads to or is accompanied by another perceptual block, and that is 
limited use of multiple sources of information. It's really hard to generate broad, innovative, or creative solutions when we keep going back to the exact same places or very similar places for knowledge. Returning to the familiar for data means that that's the only data we have. It means that we won't be able to benefit from new ideas, new research, new approaches. The last perceptual block I want to cover is biases. When people hear the word bias, they immediately think of the negative. In fact, biases can be positive or they can be negative. We may have a predisposition to like, to trust, or to respect a person for whatever reason. That means that we are more likely to value their insights and their opinions. Of course, you know the reverse is true. We may have a predisposition to dislike, mistrust, or not respect another person for whatever reason. In this case, we are most likely to be dismissive of whatever that they can potentially contribute. Now, biases are not only operationalized on the individual level. On the individual level, I'm getting tongue-tied here. You can tell I'm getting a little tired, so forgive me. They're not just operationalized on the individual level. They happen on the team and the organizational levels too. They can and they do exist just about everywhere and for just about any reason. I spent all this time going through the perceptual blocks because they're traps. If we're aware of them, we can compensate for them. We can get to a wider array of solutions by being clear about the blocks that impact us and our thinking. Let me tell you what happens for me. When I can work or function with an awareness of my own blocks, my own biases, just my stuff, I can have a more open mind, but I have to work having that awareness. I sometimes have to force myself to have an open mind, but if I really concentrate on it, I can typically pry it open enough to let new information filter in. I will freely admit that I can get stuck and be my own worst enemy. I get deeply entrenched in the way that I think things should be done, in the way that I think issues need to be tackled. Self-awareness, that first component of emotional intelligence, that's how we can surface and potentially come to terms with our own perceptual blocks. Being self-aware allows us to reflect more deeply and to come face-to-face with the things that are getting in the way things that are preventing us from finding solutions. So as you start to think about the issues that you're facing, I want you to consider investing time examining your blocks. That's the only way you'll be able to move beyond them. So let's get to it. Let's get beyond the blocks to creating a solution focus. Remember that this solution focus is all about idea generation. You can't generate ideas when you're tired, when you're exhausted. So you need an energy, a wellspring of energy to be able to tackle idea generation. You have to allow yourself to create what I like to call an idea pipeline. So how do you do that? How do I do that? How do you create a solution focus? I'm going to give you five ideas that I want you to think about. 
I think that these five ideas can lead you to limitless ideas for consideration, limitless opportunities to do something different, to create something different when you're faced with a dilemma. So it all starts by getting curious, by becoming genuinely curious when you're faced with an issue. This is all about exploration. It's about investigation, imagination, and the ability to probe. It also often involves a reframe. Instead of framing whatever it is as a problem, try to create a new mental model. I want to give you an example. I have a friend who keeps applying for positions, and these are positions that she really wants. She's really accomplished. She is a very accomplished physician, and she wants to move from a less than challenging, less than affirming environment to one that's going to allow her to flourish. But the problem is that every time she's interviewed over the last five years, they've selected another doc. So she's gotten depressed and she's gotten dejected after every rejection. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, that's natural. But after the last rejection, she told me that she's now seeing what is happening to her as a blessing in disguise. And I was real curious about that. She said it's giving her the opportunity to rethink how she's approaching her work. She said it's also giving her the opportunity to get more experiences on her CV that will position her for one of these jobs that she so dearly wants. I have a lot of admiration for that. To her credit, she's also used this past job rejection as, as something to catapult her into a higher level of service. What I mean is she's volunteering on committees and doing things that she's never considered before, and not just in the hospital, but also in her community. What she decided to do was to examine everything that she's been facing through a different lens, a new lens. And this lens allows her to get curious and to look at the situation from other angles. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is easy. I'll just tell you that this reframe has been really tough for her. I admire her willingness to move through the pain of so many disappointments. She decided she's just going to evaluate where she is in her career and find ways to create fulfillment in spite of her circumstances. She did the reframe and then demonstrated real curiosity about how she can create something different in her professional life. She embodies this first strategy for creating a solution focus. She is growing where she's planted and positioning herself for an opportunity in the future. She's not giving up. She's just doing something positive and powerful where she is. You know, the next thing I want you to understand is that creating a solution focus requires that you don't jump to solutions. I know that sounds really contradictory, but here's what I mean. Don't immediately grasp the easiest resolution or the first idea that comes to your mind. Instead, allow time to think, to reflect, to ponder. Get new information, get new insights. Create a space in your mind 
for a free flow of information. I'm saying relax, chill out, breathe deeply to control your anxiety, take some time, consider a wide range of options. Create new options through investigating other opportunities. Take the time to really become considerate. And I mean considerate in terms of considering new things in your mind. This means you're going to learn the art of uncensored, unedited brainstorming. It helps if you have partners who can contribute new perspectives and new ideas. That's what will help you get out of your own box and invite divergent thinking. And that's how you'll get to the point of having a wider range of possible solutions to choose from. So how do you, cons- how do you continue to progress to developing a solution focus? You've got to reduce the complexity of whatever dilemmas you happen to be facing. I don't know about you, but I know I can get really swamped by what seems like enormous issues. Um, I can get really swamped when I'm faced with a lot of stuff, when there are a lot of things going on. These things can take on epic proportions in our minds. Sometimes they really are giant and they look insurmountable because potentially they could be. But I believe if you can break down a dilemma into some manageable parts, that's when you can start creating solutions. I want to take us back to the example of my friend who's had such a hard time landing her next position. In essence, she broke the issue down into these parts. The first was, what can I do differently in my current role that may prepare me for my next role? I want you to notice something. She never said, what am I doing wrong? She said, what can I do differently? The next question she asked herself was, what can I do to occupy my time and my mind so I'm not fixated on getting or not getting the next job? That's why she was able to start volunteering, to serve on interesting committees, and to do new things in her community. The third question she asked herself was, how can I expand my network? What she came to understand was that she needed to connect with people who are able to have influence and to make hiring decisions. What this meant was that she had to push past her fear and her reticence to network and begin building a web of influential connections. Those are the connections that can open doors for her in the future. She had to recognize that who you know component of life, that it is important to know the right people. Now, as you're thinking about your own dilemma in your own life, break it down because that's how it'll be easier to deal with. You've got to take one element at a time. You will start to see small victories and small successes. Stop. Notice them. Track them and celebrate them. What you'll find is that you actually have a string of victories. As you're working through the process of becoming solution focused, you're going to have to overcome resistance. 
And I'm talking about internal resistance. That's the next step, overcoming internal resistance. Start paying attention to your self-talk. Is it telling you that you can't accomplish something? Is it telling you not to test different approaches? Is it telling you to stick with what is known and what is safe in spite of the fact that the familiar may not help you find solutions and the familiar may not help you to grow and evolve and develop? Let me tell you a little something about me and internal resistance. Forever, if you know me, you know forever I have struggled with weight. And some of the internal resistance, some of the messages that I have had to deal with are, well, Joanne, you've always been overweight. Well, Joanne, you should have started working on this in your 20s or in your 30s. Well, Joanne, you know, those kinds of messages that really don't help me. And I've started replacing those messages with, you're working towards better health. You're working towards improving your health rather than beating myself up for what I didn't do. One of the other messages that I give myself now is that I have developed interests in forms of fitness that I never considered before. And those interests are to be applauded. So think about your internal resistance. Think about the ways in which you get stuck in your own mind. As we think about this, what we have to admit is that most of us are hampered by some degree of internal resistance to something. Now, it's larger for some people than for other people, but it's there. The danger of it is that it really thwarts our ability to make real change to pursue new options and to create new opportunities for ourselves. I know that I talk about options and opportunities a lot because they're so integral to creating change, to creating solutions. Here's the tricky thing. We're not always aware of our internal resistance. If you're not a person who's developed the ability to reflect if you're highly reactive when you're faced with anything stressful, if you live on autopilot, if any of those things are true for you, it's going to be very hard for you to see your own internal resistance. So try this. The next time you are presented with a puzzle that you have to solve in your personal or your professional life, try this. Just try this to figure out where you are with internal resistance. First, Jot down your immediate initial reaction. Is it to jump to a solution? Is it to just shut down? Is it absolute paralysis from fear? Is it to run from the dilemma? I don't want you to judge your reaction. I just want you to note it. The next thing I want you to do, second, is to jot down any and every solution that you can imagine. This is going to be very telling. If you can only imagine one or two solutions, you're probably struggling with a little internal resistance. But again, I just don't want you to judge what you came up with. Just note it. Just pay attention to it. Just use it as data. The third thing I want you to do is to look back. What I mean is reflect on what you've typically done when new challenges and potential opportunities come up. What's your pattern? 
Remember, your pattern doesn't have to be your path. I'm going to say that again. Your pattern does not have to be your path. Use it to raise your self-awareness and to become better informed about whether you're facing internal resistance. These three steps that I just mentioned are going to be really illustrative. They're going to help you shine light on your internal resistance. They're going to give you data about patterns that you may not be aware of. Once you decided to overcome any internal resistance, the next step in developing a solution focus is to overcome internal inertia. This may sound a little obvious, but you have to be willing to get off the dime to move, to progress if you're going to develop solutions to anything and everything in your life. I'll be honest about me and inertia. There are times when I know I am exhausted, mentally, physically, I'm just tired. Um, Whatever the tired is, it's draining and it kind of zaps my energy. So at those times when I feel that exhaustion, I have a really difficult time focusing. I'm a person who just kind of shuts down and mentally goes off on what my sister once called my island. I wind up on the island often without even knowing it. I don't even realize that I'm there. It's like my energy somehow gets depleted, and I don't mean to be in a state of inertia, but there I am. Start paying attention to what takes you to that place of inertia. Pay attention to how long you stay there. I can tell you that if I'm not careful, I can stay inert for a long time. And that means that I just can't get to the point of thinking about solutions. I want to wrap this up. I started by acknowledging the obstacles that we all deal with when we're faced with dilemmas. Obstacles are real, and it's important to acknowledge them. Once they've been acknowledged, it's important to move to these five steps. Develop curiosity, genuine curiosity. That means opening yourself to wonder. Don't jump to solutions. Give yourself time to create a wide range of options. Your first thought may not be your best thought. Next, I want you to try to reduce the complexity. Pull the dilemma apart so that you can tackle it piece by piece by piece. You've got to overcome your internal resistance. That means get out of your own way. And then you can overcome your inertia. You've got to shake it off so that you can shake it up. You can test any or all of these ideas. They're not linear. Some are going to apply more than others depending on what you're facing. Try them out and see how many solutions you can generate. I bet you're going to be very surprised. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. 
All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.